The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club and we're a happy crew today after Villa got their first proper Premier League win of the season. We say that, Greg, because our producer's a Newcastle fan and absolutely everybody beats them, so we can't count that at all. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, good to see you. Good, good. Forgot to call you Global Greg Evans, which is a really disappointing start to the podcast for me. It's all right, Brambla, Brambardell. I can't even Brambardell. <laughs> let's, 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 let's get into it as the small talk is obviously going nowhere. Aston Villa 3, Everton nil. There was a piece earlier on in the week, billed by yourself and your colleague, Everton writer Paddy Boyland. Your joint preview was it was the battle of the top six pretenders on The Athletic. And on the face of that, Greg... Villa are going to be in for a good season and Everton are not, although that probably doesn't tell the whole story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Look, it was, it was a great win, wasn't it, for Villa? I think I think they pretty much needed it because just because of some of the fixtures that were coming up. Um, and, it, and it almost felt like after a bit of a stuttering start for Villa that they just needed one of these standout results and 3-0 against Everton. It, it doesn't really get much better than that, does it? No, no, such a, such a good atmosphere, is it? Get, starting to get a little bit tetchy. It had the look of a game that was going to peter out into a nil-nil. It didn't look like anyone was going to score. And then Leon Bailey came onto the pitch, Greg, and the place got lift off. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible in the, in the whole end and, and all around the stadium. And, and Leon Bailey became the first Villa player to be subbed on score and then subbed off since Julian Joachim against Derby in September 2000, which I'm sure you remember really, really well. But that some 21 minutes from Leon Bailey, he's going to be an incredible player. Yeah, he is. Yeah, we've spoke about him, haven't we, in previous weeks. And um, I think if you look at the fact that Villa wanted to sign Emi Buendia while Jack Grealish was here, the fact that Danny Ings is a striker, we're going to be comparing Leon Bailey as a Jack Grealish replacement at some point because he was the one player that probably wouldn't have came if, if Grealish had stayed. So the fact that he's hasn't played much already. I mean, he's you know he's he's only featured in two games, hasn't he? And he's he scored yeah. scored three now, three now. He's uh, sorry, he's three games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know he, he's got one goal, two assists. Um, I think he's going to be a really important player for Villa. The key is just to keep him fit, um, get get him a, a regular run of games because we haven't even seen him start a game yet. And you know that that's that could be really exciting. But yeah. Felt very nervy, a little bit edgy at Villa Park. There was a lot of talk amongst supporters about how incredible the atmosphere was at Villa Park. Yeah, it was, but only for 30 minutes. You know, for 60 minutes, it was a bit nervy, wasn't it? Um, but that's how we want to see Villa Park more often, you know, in full voice like that. Yeah, I think Damari Gray put one just wide, just, just before we scored. And I was starting to think, oh, oh this, this game's not really going to plan. But are you worried by Leon Bailey's fitness? Is that a concern uh, no. to you? No, not no. really. I think it's just been one of these stuttering, disruptive starts for him. He's not an he's not an injury prone player. He's not somebody who um, he's very durable. Actually, his time at Leverkusen, he played he played regularly, turned out regularly. Um, what you know, didn't pick up little muscle in, injuries and things like that. So it's not a concern. It's just annoying, really, that um, he he hasn't been able to show exactly what he's made of at Villa so far because it's, it's it's been a niggling annoying start for him yeah I mean I think he injured himself 
hitting the ball too hard for the goal. It was an incredible finish. He just, I never felt in, in doubt as he was running towards the whole end where, where I sit. I never felt in doubt that he was going to score. He just headed it down and just looked so composed. And it, it was some lash home on his left foot as well, wasn't it? Yeah, br- brilliant finish. Brilliant move, actually. I don't think Danny Ings gets gets enough credit for the, for the assist because he's just opened up his body Um he curled, curled, curled the ball with the outside of his foot and, and, and set Bailey perfectly for her. It was a brilliant first touch, brilliant finish. And yeah, maybe he did hit it a little bit too hard. He's, he, I sort of watched him afterwards after that goal and, and he wasn't quite the same. He, you know, he was wincing a little bit and, and, and didn't want the ball as much. So clearly he was, he was struggling after that. And then he, you know, he just dropped down, didn't he? Kicked the ball out of play himself uh, and said, I need to get off basically. Um, and Dean Smith didn't didn't hesitate because the beauty Villa have got at the moment, especially when they were three 0 up, is there's no need to sort of risk players if if they're if they're struggling a little bit, and um, there are plenty of options to turn to on the bench. You know, Traore is somebody I want to see more of. I'm sure we'll see him more tonight at, at Chelsea, but to have a player like him who can who can also come off the bench as well is is really important for Villa. Yeah, Villa obviously have an extra sub. On on Saturday as well, due to due to John McGinn's concussion as well, and Dean Smith deserves a lot of credit, doesn't he? Because he brought Leon Bailey on, and he essentially was playing left left wing back, but but really high up, and he changed. He did change again. That change. That's one thing that has been levelled at Dean Smith. He, his subs don't make enough impact. But you could argue, really, until this season, he hasn't had the subs to make an impact. Yeah, I think Dan, that's the difference, isn't it? If you look at the squad now, he's got a much stronger bench to turn to. Um, I think that he doesn't want to go gung ho in games uh, and risk losing it. Does that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with keeping it tight for 50, 60 minutes, um, making sure that you don't concede. You're still that's in. That's what the John game. Gregory used to do. He yeah. wrote about that in his book. That's that's how he that was his tactics. And it worked for him for a long time, if you remember, didn't it? And you know, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And providing you've got the players who can come on and make an impact in the last 25, 30, 35 minutes and come and change the game. Now, if you look at the Chelsea game in isolation, it was a little bit different because Villa had plenty of chances themselves, didn't take them, um, and then they were punished on the break, You know, which is weird to say that Chelsea punish you on the break because often they're, they're the team doing all the attacking. <coughs> but it went the other way around for them. <coughs> Excuse me. So... It, it, it was refreshing to see Villa still in the game and then be able to change it. I think that the issue he's going to have later on in the season is that there's going to be players that are going to be frustrated at being on the bench. And, you know, look, Leon Bailey's not going to be somebody who wants to be on the bench. Buendia didn't come on at all, I presume that was because of uh, his Argentina travels. But there's going to be plenty of players there that aren't going to get the minutes that they want to. So it's a balance of keeping them all happy. And at the moment, it seems to be working. And yeah, I think I think Smith deserves a lot of credit for, for the way he set up the team and the way he changed it. Yeah, I bet Al is one of them ones that, that, that's frustrated. Obviously started all the games at the start of the season and then people have become fit and he hasn't even got off the bench the last two games, has he? Al is an interesting one because I think in an ideal world... Villa would probably try to move him on. You think? I think so. Yeah, I think if they'd have found, if they'd have got a taker for him, and, and look, maybe this is, maybe this is Villa not being proactive enough and 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 finding somebody who could have taken him earlier on in earlier on in the window. I think yeah, he came in and served a purpose early in the season, um, but 
he's a player that's going to be struggling to feature. I think now. I don't think he's going to get many Premier League minutes. He'll only get minutes if um, uh, if there are injuries elsewhere. Uh, yeah, okay, Villa might have a decent cut run. I'm, I'm sure we'll see him at, at Chelsea tonight. But I, I don't think he's going to be a happy bunny because he's not going to be playing enough. But you need a squad. The only way you get better is by players that played most weeks the season before, like Al Ghazi did. They become squad players and players that come in when you've got injuries. I'd be. I wouldn't want to get rid of him because you need players. You need options. Yeah, you, you certainly do need a squad. Um, I just think Villa are very blessed in that area, and I think they're trying to promote some of the youngsters through. Um, is Al Ghazi somebody who um, probably isn't going to feature now next season? I wouldn't. I mean, look, maybe I'm being too harsh on him. Maybe, maybe this, maybe there's still um, progression and development in him. I, I, I'm not trying to dig him out here because I, I actually think he's done. A decent job for Villa, and been a great signing when you look at his goal output. Yeah, his, I mean, you know, he's ne- he's never missed a penalty, which which is incredible. Um, he, he scored some really important goals. I just think that the way Dean Smith is building the team, he's trying to progress every year, and he sees El Ghazi and others as players that need to be improved on if Villa are going to kick on. Um, so. Is he is Al Ghazi being in the squad potentially holding back a a Villa Jimba day? So you know I don't know, don't know the I don't know the deeper details that Villa are thinking on that, but um, it just looked to me like he was possibly a player who 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 you know who might have been moved on, and and then the other one I suppose was Douglas Louise. Um, if Villa had managed to find um, the centre midfielder that they wanted, then Douglas would have been the one that would have would have been moved on. I've been impressed with him so far this season, Louise. I thought he had a, another solid game on uh, on Saturday against Everton. The midfield looked, looked really good. Ramsey had a good game again and unlucky not to score, put one just wide. I think I'm liking the look of the squad at the moment. But perhaps what you say about El Ghazi is true because if we do stick with this three at the back, there isn't really a logical place for him in that setup. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like you said, he's almost certain to start against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup tonight. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Global Greg Evans has been writing about a Dutchman as well. Lamar Bogard involved in first team training. Good piece. I learned a lot from reading that, Greg, which, which is always good. So credit where credit's due. Enjoy putting that one together? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Well, I mean, you know, look, that is the key with all our articles. You know, we, we, we want to try and give the reader something that they don't already know. So if I can give you something that you don't know, that that's a good starting point. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look... The reason I thought it would be good a good time to write about him was because he's been training with the first team all all month. Um, still only seventeen years old, you know, born in two thousand and four, one of the youngest players 
in the FA Youth Cup winning squad last year. Um, and, and he might be travelling again to, to Chelsea tonight. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. He was at, he, he sat quite close to me um, at the last Chelsea game uh, alongside Aaron Ramsey. The two of them were, were in the press box just uh, watching and observing. You know, they were part of the, the travelling pack, so to speak. Um, and I think that's good for them. You know, they can come and mix it with the first team and and just see what these, these first team games are like. It's good experience for them. Um, with Bogard, I think, you know, for a 17-year-old, he's got so much potential. He, he was signed from Feyenoord, age 16. And in the last 12 months, he, he you know, he's kicked on incredibly. Won the FA Youth Cup, made his senior debut uh, in the Liverpool game. Travelling with the first team squad now. A, a regular member in the, in the training with the first team. So, it's exciting times. And he's got a brother as well who plays for Hoffenheim. So I think the hope in the uh, Bogard family is that the two of them will be representing the Netherlands in, in the not-so-near future. It'd be quite fitting if he made his debut tonight in the Carabao Cup at Chelsea after his uncle, Winston. I think he, I don't know, did he even ever play for Chelsea? I remember he went there for a few years and was on an extortionate salary. And I don't, I don't think he really ever played for Chelsea. I think he goes down as one of their, their worst ever signings. It'd be quite fitting if he could make his debut. It'd be interesting. If, what do you think Villa will go strong tonight? Let's, let's move on to the, the, the Chelsea game, the Carabao Cup. Do you think Villa will go strong? Cause I've said this before on podcasts. I can't remember if it was specifically this one. I do so many pods nowadays, but... I want us to win something. Yeah. I want us to go strong and try try and win. If you haven't got Europe, you know, you've 38 games in the league, yes, but, you know, go for a cup. Yeah, look, I remember I remember speaking to you before, during and after the, the Man City final and you were really pumped up for it, weren't you? You were like, I just want to see my team win win something. Um, and, and I think a lot of Villa fans feel the same, you know. Look, the key's the Premier League now. The key's being in the Premier League. Um, and, and Villa are an established Premier League side now. that They're not going to be struggling against relegation. So th- there's no real reason not to give the cup competitions a go. Um, but I think Dean Smith has done that since, he, since he's been in charge. Yeah, he's played weakened teams in competitions, but... These are competitions now where you, you you have to give your fringe players a run out. You you have to keep the squad happy throughout the course of the season because at times you will call upon them. And if these fringe players are getting regular minutes in the cup games, they're they're more ready for the Premier League games than when when they're called upon. Um, I th- I think Villa will go relatively strong. But I still think there'll be probably nine or ten or eleven changes. You know, really? I think so. Yeah. yeah against think... Chelsea, you've got to you've got to give yourself a chance. Chelsea can make eleven changes, and their squad, will, their team, will still be a joke. Uh, yeah, I know. You know I, we, I you've think, got to go think... for it, in my opinion. I'll be upset if we don't. I mean, I looked at Man City's team last night. They played they played five, six really strong attackers, and 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 five, uh, you know, a goalkeeper and four young defenders. Um, I, I'd expect Chelsea to be. Quite similar to that, maybe give some of their youngsters a bit of a run out. We might even see Ross Barkley as well, I presume we will, um, which, which will be interesting. But for Villa, I can see maybe Twanzebi keeping his place because he, he won't play, play against Man United yeah. on Saturday. Um, I think it'll be, you know, Ashley, Ashley Young at left back. Um, Traore will probably come in. Sanson, we might see Jed Steer in goal. Um, Cameron Archer will probably feature whether he starts or not. I don't, I'm not, not 100% sure. Um, but it'll just be the players that haven't really played enough many minutes in the Premier League. Buendia might come in, mightn't he? Yeah, you know, Buendia, El Garza, um, Nakamba probably, which, which you know, doesn't necessarily... OK, it's, it's an understrength team, but it doesn't mean that Villa go there weakened. 
that they've still got a decent side that can go out and give Chelsea a Chelsea reserve team a run for the money. No, I think people like, like Watkins has only started two games now, hasn't he? You know, I'd like to see him giving a game, try a good chance for him to, to get off the mark. Hasn't scored yet this season. I'd I'll be upset if we don't go for it. To be honest, I'll be upset if we if we don't play a relatively strong side because I just think, as I've said at the top end of this feature, I want us to win something, and the only way we're going to beat Chelsea is by having our our better players on on the pitch, in my opinion, because they they can rotate and still have an absolute world class side. Let's move away from the Carabao Cup because this podcast is probably only going to be out just before the game, so we don't want to dwell on it too much. So let's talk about Manchester United at Old Trafford on Saturday lunchtime and. Let's talk about that. We may as well talk about the penalty that Manchester United have got in that game already. What did you think of it, Greg? Yeah, it was a little bit unlucky. I thought Ronaldo went down quite easy, but he tucked it away well, didn't he? Yeah, as soon as I saw that they hadn't had a penalty yet this season, you just know. You just know. They had a penalty every it's time they played. I, I watched the of Man United game and, and I look. Ronaldo's a bit theatrical, isn't he? He was going down the a one bit was too a definite easy. Pen. But one, one was, definite. it was 100%, and I can't believe how he didn't get it. You know, that gets that, given. That gets given against Aston Villa, Manchester United, Aston Villa. That gets given. Well, yeah, history tells you it does. <laughs> I mean, you know, Dean Smith spoke passionately about it last time and said he was basically sick of talking about penalties that Man United get against Villa. And let's just hope that changes now because some of them have been ridiculous over the years. I remember Conza on Fernandez, wasn't it? That you know, it was actually Fernandez on Conza. Um, Remind me of the last one, Dan. I'm, it's... Louise gave away two against oh, Pogba last course, season. Of course he did, yeah. So, yeah. Douglas Louise, if you're listening, please stay away from Paul Pogba on Saturday. But this is the thing with Louise, isn't it? I mean, we haven't seen it in him this season, but he does lose his head quite quickly and easily. Um, you know, ho- hopefully hopefully that's just part of the learning curve. He, he's still a very young man. But yeah, look, Villa have got to go to United and, and play in the same way. That they played against Chelsea, I think, because that's the best way they've got to beat them. I think they've got. I think we've got a really good chance, really, really good ch- chance. Manchester United, yes, they're they're winning games, but you know they're not. They're a bit more like machine like rather than playing free flowing football. I really think Villa can start for Manchester United on on Saturday. We've already said turns A B won't won't be able to play. I expect we'll stick with the three at the backs. So that probably means Hawes coming in and Ming, Mings maybe moving into the middle or Hawes playing in the middle. I imagine it'd probably be Tyrone that goes into the middle of that back three. Do we know anything on, on Leon Baylor? No, we don't know. We st- we're still waiting for, for an injury update. Obviously, we've got, you know, Target had a slight issue and McGinn went off concussed. So. Well, can he play? What are the rules? I'm not sure what the protocol is. Can He He won't play on Wednesday, on tonight in the in the Carabao Cup anyway. Do, do you have to miss a certain amount of time if you, if you have concussion? I'll, I'll have to check that out because it was it, we, we were all a little bit confused, um, you know, when, when the injury was sustained because... Uh, I, I certainly hadn't been involved in a game where a concussion substitution had had been. Well, you used. didn't even you, you didn't even know because it didn't come up on the board or anything. So when we <laughs> yeah. were making the fourth sub, I was like, "What are we doing?" And it obviously allowed um, Everton another sub, so it was all a little bit confusing at the at the, at the start. Um, but you know, I, I'll certainly know that now for future games. Um, as for the recovery time, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll check that out and update as and when I can. Um, we'll be doing a you know an injury update at some point. So it'll all be included in that once we once we're aware of it. I'm sure there's some kind of duration of time, a week or week or two weeks that, that you have to miss. I could, I could be wrong. Maybe our producer will look it up for us whilst, whilst we're talking and, and get back to us and type it in the script for me. It'd be, it'd be excellent producer work if you could do that for us and then, then we would know. Um, what should we, should we talk about? Let's talk about May Cash. Got his first goal for the club at the weekend. Sco- said about how excited he was in score- about scoring in front of the whole end. 
and then went ran away from the whole end and went and celebrated <laughs> somewhere else quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was a lovely moment. I've I've I can't I genuinely can't remember seeing a player so you know happy to score a goal. He he was at, he was absolutely loving it, wasn't he? I've, I've, I've yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I get that. But like, I mean, right backs they 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 don't score very often, do they? They know that they're going out most weeks and they're not going to score. Um, it, it just felt like I, I was genuinely so pleased for him because he he looked absolutely over the moon. I think he went running towards his family. Um, you know, whether his whether his new girlfriend's up there or not. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know he has a, a big following at games. Um, he does his family sat in front of me at Watford, actually. Right, right, okay, yeah, yeah, and you know they they have a big following and very supportive of him. Um, so he, he obviously went over there to to pay his respects to them, so to speak. And um, <laughs> good goal as well, wasn't it? Lovely finish on the left peg, taking advantage of playing as a wing back. Greg moved, moved himself forward and, and and got himself a goal. I thought even before that, before he scored, he was having a really really strong game. Matty Cash really really involved. Yeah, he's getting into nice areas like. Um, Similar to what Alexander Arnold does for, for for Liverpool, he's getting into those sort of right-sided central midfield areas um, and causing lots of problems. I think Villa have had lots of opportunities to sort of play him in and have missed it as well in the last couple of games. But if he keeps making those runs, um, you know, up and down, very very athletic player, his cash, then um, he's going to get his breaks and hopefully he might even get a few more chances and goals. Yeah, I'd really like to see him getting further forward. I'd like to see him a bit more involved on the set pieces. I mean, I will say again, just completely off the subject, Villa's set pieces at the weekend were absolutely brilliant. Austin McPhee is looking like a really shrewd appointment already. We look like we're going to cause trouble every time we have a throw-in or a corner or a free-kick in a dangerous area. The main difference for me is, is the throw-ins. You know, we, we haven't seen Villa using that, that throw-in. I mean, it seems to be coming back, doesn't it? A lot of teams are moving towards that now you know they've got the towels out on on the balls and, and drawing it up and throwing it in long um there was one there was one i think there was one there was one in the second half where he tried oh, to throw awful. it long and just, just did it short and it was oh I was like, what the hell happened there everyone <laughs> um, came up and we basically just kicked the ball out of yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was wondering what, what on earth happened there but um in general i think think the throw-ins are a lot better um I'm not going to get too carried away with Austin McPhee just yet because get carried I, away, Greg. Because Come I'd on. like to, I'd like to see the figures over the course of a season because what a lot of people are forgetting is at the start of last season, Villa were the best team from attacking from from attacking set pieces. They scored more goals than any team uh, in the first two or three months of the season. I think from set pieces, you know, Hurrahan was was involved in some of them. Then Mings was. Mings was winning, scoring goals. Conza was scoring goals. Grealish and Barkley were were had a nice little, and McGinn had a nice little relationship. There was some really well worked routines. So at the start of last season, Villa were excellent at set pieces. It's when Grealish got injured and when other players lost a little bit of form that it started to fall away. Now if Villa can keep up this form at set pieces throughout the whole season, yeah. I will be singing Austin McPhee's praises, but it's a good start for him. Let's hope it continues. He's too considered, Greg. Stop being so no, considered. No, no, no. Get, get excited. You, you've got it. Yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, you can say it's a good start, but I want to see it over the course of a season. If you if you do one good article and it comes out and everyone everyone loves it, you, you'll be buzzing. You're really really pleased. You don't wait and say, oh, "Let's see how we do across the the entirety of the season." 
But, I, but if I do one good article, it hasn't just taken me five minutes to write. Well, the set pieces, it's all been all been worked on through the week. It's that that week's work. If they do well from set pieces that game, they've worked on that in the week. So you you would celebrate that, I would think, and think you've, you've been a success. But what I'm saying is Villa were great at set pieces at the start of last season for three months and then it changed. So I want to see it over the course of a season. Okay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have to bring it back to Matty Cash because I spoke about Matty Cash <laughs> and then I didn't actually talk about the topic that we were supposed to talk about. It looks like he's going to declare for Poland and if everything goes well with the, with the passport, I mean, I imagine in this day and age that's not as a simple thing as it, as it could have been or it was in the past, but he could be available for their World Cup qualifiers against Andorra and Hungary in November. Now, I remember talking to you about this. I can't remember if it happened on a podcast or not, but you mentioned this last week about Matty Cash and Poland. And I remember speaking about it last season with you. I think I thought it was something that might happen before the Euros, so he could play in the Euros. But it's looking like he's going to do it now and he's going to decide to play for Poland, which has come from his mother's side, I believe. Yeah, so he he was born in Slough and um, has a a Polish mother, so he qualifies that way. Um, I think think for a few years now he's he's wanted to play for England, to be honest. He's... um, would have preferred that. Look, he's an Englishman, isn't he? And... uh, Gareth Southgate had, had had watched him closely. I think he name-checked him in, in a couple of press conferences as well. He was certainly on his radar, but I think if you look at the, the right-back scenario at, at England, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, you've got players like Alexander-Arnold, who, who I think is brilliant and better than Cash, let's be honest, um, who, who can't get in the team. You've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who can't even get in the squad. Um, not quite as good as Cash probably going forward, but I think defensively he's excellent. Um, 
Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Like that. And and there are other players as well that, you know, I think Lamptey as well would, would, be, would be in the system as well. And, and, and what Southgate likes is, although he's, his name checks cash, he likes players that have come through the system previously that he knows about, that they've worked hard on. That, that yeah, Cash just hasn't been that player, unfortunately. So that might go slightly against him. I think he's got to the stage now where he realises he's a regular in the Premier League. Um, the opportunity of playing in... Uh, you know, international football for, for Poland has now come up. Poland would really like him to play, and and that process is now in place now. So I think he's um, applied for a Polish passport, and I think it's seven or eight weeks or something like that before it can get done, and and it might just get done in time for the November qualifiers, which will be great for him. You know, if he could feature against Andorra and Hungary, I think it is. Poland got a very good chance of qualifying for the World Cup as well. Yeah. Right backs are just a joke. There was James Justin as well, who kind of been far off a call up for Leicester before before he got a bad injury last season. There's, there's loads of right backs and about two left backs in the England setup at, at the moment. It's absolutely un- unbelievable, isn't it? How many right backs there is to choose from? But I, I, I'm a massive fan of, of Matty Cash. He's, he's one of my favourite players. I interviewed him last season as well, and he was such a, a funny and a, a nice guy. So give him with his time as well. So yeah, I'd like to see him represent Poland, play international football. The more international footballers you have that are, are playing in different situations and, and playing international football, that's a good thing for Villa as well, isn't it? You look at look, you look at the players recently, Luis Martinez. So many international footballers have come from from Dean Smith, really. Yeah, it's it's a credit for to, for the way that Villa are developing players as well. You know that they're signing, they're spending a lot of money on players, but they're also making them better as well. Um, and I, and I think the more players that play internationals, the better that they get as well. Look, that there are going to be issues with with travelling and and disruption around games, especially for the African players and and the uh, South Americans. But if you're playing in Europe, you know, I think most players are used to it now. Um, going off on international duty and representing their country. So, yeah, can only be good for Villa. And some breaking news. I've got the concussion rules now in front of me. I'm going to just I'm going to read it out to you, Greg. Hopefully you can make more sense out of it than I can. So, Premier League concussion substitutes have to follow the FA's graduated return to play protocol as follows. The stage program commences at midnight on the day of injury and stage 1 in brackets, initial rest period, is 14 days in all players unless they are in an enhanced care setting. In all cases, progression to stage two of the GRTP can only occur if the player has no symptoms. In some circumstances, such as professional clubs, international teams and academies, there may be an enhanced level of medical care available which allows closer supervision of a player's care and a graduated return to play. In these instances, a shorter time frame for return to play may be possible, but only under strict supervision by the appropriate medical personnel as part of a structured concussion management programme. So in conclusion... I don't know whether McGee can play on Saturday after reading that. Did you manage to garner anything from that, Greg? I mean, look, I've, I've just heard that from, from from your mouth. I haven't read it myself or, or scrutinised it in any great detail. But what that sounds like is that if McGinn has the right care, which I presume he will, playing for an elite football club, um, then he can return sooner than, than, than those uh, 14 days. So it will be a case of the medical staff assessing him You know, in, in the immediate aftermath of, of what happened on Saturday and the days ahead and just checking that he's okay throughout the week. So for, to me, that sounds like he'll be okay for Man United. Basically, we're waiting for you to speak to Dean Smith tomorrow or Friday or whatever <laughs> it is you, you speak to him. Tonight. That, that, I, think, I think that'll be the, the, the time we find out. Maybe you can give an update on, on social media after you've spoken to Dean Smith, Greg. 
I can do, yeah. I'll be seeing him tonight. Yeah, a bit, bit of global Greg Evans breaking news. That's, that's what we want to say on, on Twitter, Greg. That, that, that's, what, that's what your account should be about. What else have you been up to? Have you got anything coming up that you're excited about, article-wise? Um, well, I'd like to be living up to my name of Global Greg Evans, but given that I've only been out of this country once in the last 18 months, it's not really a good nickname, is it? <laughs> catching on, though. I've had DMs calling you Global Greg, which I'm really, really enjoying, by the way. The more people that can call Greg Global Greg on social media, please do it. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I've got a few things I'm looking forward to, yeah, next week. Uh, we're, we're, we're really stepping up the coverage in, in the next couple of weeks. So there are a couple of really exciting stories, um, which I'll hold fire on and, 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 and release as and when I can. But for now... Um, Just give us something. Give me something. No, Dan. No. 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 Wow. Let's wait. Let's wait and see. Um, and I actually think Villa will lose tonight as well, which isn't which isn't oh, a good brilliant, thing. Brilliant, Greg! Bloody hell, Ex- absolutely excellent, Greg! You're really se- you're really selling yourself on this podcast so far. Chelsea are a bloody good side. No, well, I'm aware of that, but don't come on the Villa podcast and say they're gonna they're gonna lose tonight, Greg. That, that is not what we're about at all. And uh, actually, oh, okay. here's another thing. Go on, then. The League Cup needs a serious reform. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about prize it. Prize money's low, isn't it? There's a piece on the Athletic about the prize money. I didn't realise how low it was. A hundred grand, yeah, it's, it's rubbish. But um, I, 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 you know, clubs clearly don't enter it for for the prize money these days, especially Premier League sides who are, who wanted to win it. Um, I just think it's a competition now that is completely uh, overlooked. You know, nobody, there aren't many people that genuinely care about it anymore. I think but Man City win it every season, and they're the, one of the best teams in the world. They, they, but, they but, enter but, it and but win because, every season. But because they've got the best squad, they've got one of the best squads. They're they're able to play Kevin De Bruyne and Mares and Sterling and Torres, you know, in that team, and then they're able to blood some of their youngsters at the same time, but still not weaken their side because they're so good in other areas um, and not, you know they're playing against uh, Wickham of course they're going to win uh, uh, and they're going to get to the last stages of that competition I just think yeah they bloody get Wickham we get Chelsea away <laughs> yeah I know it's mad isn't it <laughs> um, I, I don't know look I mean yeah, clubs want to win it because it's 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 winning a trophy, and it's, for clubs like Villa who haven't won anything for donkey's years, it, it's it's something that you know is important to them, especially supporters. But I, you know, I think if you ask Dean Smith if if he wants a Premier League win or a League Cup win, he'd take a Premier League win over, over it any day of the week. You're talking about individual game, not just, not, just not winning the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, just just <laughs> an individual game. Yeah, I think if, you know if he if if you said to him beat Chelsea tonight or beat. Man United or Everton last week, he'd take the Premier League win. And for me, I mean, you probably ask most Premier League managers and they'd say the same, and that, that's worrying for me. I mean, there was one thought that I had just when I was, um, uh, before coming onto the pod this morning, I was, you know, I was preparing to go to Chelsea tonight and thinking, is it another pointless trip, you know, a League Cup game that doesn't really mean much? Yeah, Greg. <laughs> Come on, cheer up. <laughs> no, I just, I just really don't think that the League Cup's working. And, and the, the, one salute, the one suggestion I thought was, how about making it an, an, an all-British or an all-English Cup? So you only have to play your English players or your, or your British players. And I just think that's a good way of, of developing... The, the national game. Look, it's, I'm not saying for one minute it's going to work. It's just my suggestion. It's just my thought. I just think that there needs to be a serious reform because clubs aren't interested in it. Let's be honest. They're playing weakened teams. Um, and how can we as a country benefit f- from it? It's gone from global, Greg, to Brexit, Greg. 
<laughs> with that suggestion yeah. Completely, so, completely sorry uh, sorry Europeans Africans Brazil <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Americans are, uh, yeah you have to be English to play in the League Cup now <laughs> Greg obviously not revealing anything about his writing but revealing his Brexit allegiances there if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic and you do want to read Greg's pieces, then you can sign up at the moment by going to theathletic.com slash villapod. If you type that in, what that will do is it will get you a 33% discount on new subscription. So yeah, if Greg's whirlwind of positivity has reeled you in tonight, go and take advantage of that code. I don't know why I said tonight because it's not tonight. You might be listening to this in the day, but you catch my drift. You know what I'm going on about. Let's finish then with the top three. So Matty Cash's Polish international change. He'd become one of Villa's best ever Eastern European players because I've been asked to do a top three of representatives from that part of the world, Greg, and it was a struggle. There's only three. There's only three. Well, or we four are, we are a multicultural society at the Athletic. We're not. We're not just all English, are we? We're uh, we're, we're into other countries as well. Yeah, but Villa, Villa aren't Villa aren't into Eastern Europe because there's barely been any players. I've got a couple. I think a couple of good Go on ones. In. Well, I've picked. I've picked my three. The well, ones I, I, can th- I can think of two. <laughs> I can think of two obvious ones, but um, well, wait, the two I'd say. You need say three when you're in the top three, Greg. I know, mate. But Two's that, no good. That's where, that's where I turn to you for the third. Um, I would have had oh, Savo, obviously. Got to, got to, got to put him in there. Savo Milosevic, um, Petrov, and I was going to turn to you for the third. <laughs> so they're two, two, the two bankers. Although I did have to be reminded that Milosevic was Eastern European. It says in the script here that we presume that everyone knows the countries that are Eastern Europe, but I, I actually had to look it up on it's Google. Quite, it's quite, look, it's loosely defined. It right. It's loosely defined, isn't it? I think, I think there's, um, uh, there's so many different different versions of Eastern Europe. I, th- I think if you even look on the Wikipedia page, they'll say that there's there's not a, there's not a defined um, there's not a defined section, but. I might delve into Wikipedia. Like, Don't believe everything you read on there. If there's a if there's, if there's a Greg Evans Wikipedia page, if I can reference Global Greg anyway, I might, I might have a little go. I might create one. I might create one, Greg. But yeah, Savo and Petrov, absolute bankers. And then after that, it's pretty hard. But you probably don't remember this guy. He's a player when I was just starting to watch a villa called Darius Kubitsky. He's not made it into the top three, but he was he, he was there. He was Eastern European. It's the Docker toss up between Barosh and Berger. Now, I liked Patrick Berger, but then he really let himself down by saying Gareth Barry should move to Liverpool whilst he was whilst they were both playing for Aston Villa, which is a strange thing to do as an Aston Villa player, tell your captain that he should go to another club. But Patrick Berger did that and then never featured again under Martin O'Neill. So he's <laughs> not in. I went for Barros because... I think he's got to be up there, isn't he? Yeah. Barros scored a couple against Blues. And then he was involved in one of the best swap deals Villa have ever done, just a straight swap Barros for Carew. So he had to be Deserves him, really. Deserves a bit of credit for that, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, that was <laughs> for allowing John Carew to come to Villa. Yeah. But Barros actually didn't have a bad goal-scoring record for Villa, in all honesty. He was a bit. He did run with his head down and, and never look up to pass the ball. But in general, his, you know, his goal return was pretty good. So he had to be in. But yeah, I mean, let us know in the comments on social media if I've missed anyone blatant. But honestly, it was there was not there's, many. There's to no, choose there's from no there. blatant ones there. I mean, look, there are some other shockers like Tonev and players like that. But yeah, you haven't missed any blatant ones. Okay, Co- so Kozak. Pe- Where was Kozak from? Kozak was. Was he Czech Republic actually? I think, I think he, he might was, have been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't quite make it. People liked Lebo though, didn't they? Didn't didn't do that. Injuries killed him, really. Paul Lambert used to always say that he was the best finisher that he that he'd seen at Villa. He, he hadn't seen a better finisher than than Kozak. So, 
Um, but, he, but injuries just killed him, yeah. And I think he's playing in the Hungarian Premier League now for, for, for a team who I can't remember. But, um, yeah, it just, just didn't work out for him. Oh, Tonev. Tonev as well. Yeah, I just said him. Oh, did you? I didn't hear you. Mm. I apologise. I mean, he's definitely not making the, the top three. Definitely not making the top three. So let's recap then. Petrov, Savo and Milan Barosh, the top three for this week. Do let us know as well if there's any top threes you would like us to do. and We will endeavour to put them and feature them in the podcast. I think that just about does us. So all that's left to do is thank Greg for joining me as ever. And obviously he's absolutely buzzing to be driving to London or travelling to London to, to watch Villa tonight. So Greg, have a good time. Thanks, Dan. I will do. Good stuff. Thanks ever so much for you guys at home or wherever you are for listening as well. Appreciate all the support. Always like it when we tweet out the podcast and people are excited to listen to it. So thank you very much for all the support. We'll be back next week talking about the inevitable penalty that Manchester United are going to get to win the game against Villa on Saturday lunchtime. In the meantime, have a good rest of the week and we will talk to you next week. Up the Villa. Athletic.